Hello, and welcome to the Craft Brewed Music Podcast, the official podcast of Craft Brewed Music, the app that streams better music for serious listeners. Here we explore and get to know the creators of that music. I'm Brian Horner, founder and curator of Craft Brewed Music, and I'm joined by my friend and co-host Aaron Stamen, a Craft Brewed Music artist. Timey from Robbie Rothschild. Robbie is half of Round Mountain, and he has just released his solo EP, self-titled, available everywhere music is streamed and and downloaded. Um, And when we joined him, when we caught up with him the other day, he had uh, had a bit of a rough day. He'd been out on a hike and and lost his wallet, but he had just found out, just gotten a phone call that somebody had found the wallet and was going to return it to him. So things were looking up and we, uh, we had a, a really, a really nice, uh, discussion with him about his journey and his music and, uh, and kind of how, how he puts it all together. Yeah, this was a great opportunity to, uh, revisit, uh, some of the round mountain music, which, uh, you, uh, discovered after you saw them live back in, uh, 2013, I think it was Brian, is that right? That's right. Yeah. Aaron, uh, my wife, Aaron Thomas was opening for them at club Passim in, uh, Cambridge, mass. And not long after that, you, you indoctrinated me into, <laughs> into round mountain. I've been enjoying their music since then. Um, it was great to also, uh, sink our teeth into his, uh, his EP, which is, uh, as we will discuss a bit of a departure from, uh, from what we're used to listening to the round mountain catalog. Um, and, uh, as he, uh, as he states it himself, uh, prominently features the, uh, the theme of loss. And, uh, I'm glad we had each other to talk to during that, <laughs> uh, that couple of weeks of intense listening to pick each other up. That's right. And this album was co-produced with Kip Winger, uh, of course of, of Winger fame and, and now also a Grammy nominated classical composer. Uh, and who I've worked with on the management side on, on a few different um, projects, both his classical stuff and some other albums that he's produced. Uh, and we hear kind of some interesting backstory about that as well. I really enjoyed speaking with Robbie about the production of this uh, EP. Most of the uh, tracking was done in isolation, collaborations with other musicians done remotely. And uh, it was great to, to hear about how he conceived the songs and how he brought this thing to fruition. It's a great story. What's flooding through us
so anyway, what do you guys want to talk about? I think we've, this has been good. Yeah, I think, I think we're done. Said. Um, this has been really enjoyable. Uh, you wanted to kind of talk about how well you keep up with stuff. And your wallet and... um, well, I, to me, to me, that that's that's cause for for great hope that uh, your wallet's oh. been discovered and someone conscientiously uh, reunited you with your your belongings. Yeah, I'm glad to hear that. But I, I'm curious, based yeah. upon uh, your mention of it, you said you'd gone out into the mountains mm-hmm. to write a song, yeah. which is an interesting right. uh, process. Uh, I, I'd love for you to elaborate on that a bit more. Sure. Well, that seems to be the way I do it, um, or at least it, it's my it's my approach. It's the way that I try to go um, ask for the song is to um, to go out with an instrument on a hike, um, go walking somewhere, sit down. Maybe um, it's a little tricky right now because my fingers are getting numb and it's so cold that I can't really play properly, but. Um, either the the guitar or the kora, generally I bring with me. Um, I've written, I think, gosh, you mentioned Save Me a Place. That one I wrote in the very spot I went to today, which is a spot I love to go. Um, it's just down this little canyon, and uh, I walk there with the kora or the guitar. The the kora the is great because. Um, it, it sings in the wind. So when you walk along with it, the wind might come through at an angle. Uh, and it does in these sort of sci-fi kind of ways. Uh, it makes this really beautiful, strange sound. It catches certain harmonics on the strings. Um, kind of sci-fi. In fact, I think I, I put something about that up on Instagram last summer when I was um, just starting to have an Instagram account and wanting to tell everybody about stuff like that. So yeah, I take it with me and I, I guess um, my, my tools for writing, I, I feel like the music does actually live in places. And so if I can go somewhere and try to be present and catch it there, then that song, that place will find its way into the song. And um, the, the, the other thing that I do is I, I talk to myself into my tape recorder and, you know, COVID has only helped with that. It's only encouraged me. I, I talk to myself all the time. Um, I, I, uh, I just document ideas and melodies and rhythms and things that might kind of surface. So I guess it's a little like trying to be a sail or trying to catch, um, a stirring of air, trying to, um, trying to be moved by what's there. So our, uh, so our listeners know uh, the, the settings that you're drawing inspiration from, these are, these are all around the Santa Fe area. Well, yeah. Um, right now that's, that, that is where I'm from. And that is sort of the heartland of, of, of my, of my world. Um, I like to go to, uh, places around Santa Fe, there are mountains. There, uh, the, the Sangre de Cristo mountains are east of here, and um, they're within. I can drive for twenty minutes and get to the place where I was today. Talking about place and and mountains, and obviously, mm-hmm. your our listeners are actually uh, quite familiar with you since Round Mountain, mm-hmm. your band with your brothers, our intro and outro music, and our kind of our theme That's song, so cool. and, and we also. Yeah, and we also talked about you guys in the first episode when we were kind of trying to demonstrate the essence of craft brood music. And as you know, I've always felt that Round Mountain uh, displays that. Thank and you. so Round Mountain is actually a mountain near Santa Fe, correct? It sure is. Yeah, a Round Mountain is a place where our parents used to take us, Char and I, Char and me, used to take us to... It's about an hour drive. You have to go to the the valley of the Pecos River, which the headwaters are pretty close to there. And you have to drive south and then north again around the tail of the mountains. And you come back and right around where the road ends, there's a campground. And if you had two kind of whiny little boys, you might be able to get them to Round Mountain but definitely no farther. And that was, I think, why our parents <laughs> took us there. Um, 
you know, you, you sometimes you really got to get the kids out for a, for a walk and plus the hour drive either way, you know, then you get to sort of relax a little in the car and the day kind of goes by with kids. But Char and I didn't maybe remember it that way. And I don't know that my parents did. I'm just kind of imagining um, in retrospect, but we loved going up there. I mean, we just kind of camp out in this big, it's a sort of a, a rise that um, might not properly be called a mountain compared to all the, the jagged stuff around it. You've got Truchas Peaks and Santa Fe Baldy in the back of Lake Peak and a very sort of uh, high, craggy stuff. And then Round Mountain is lower and it's grassy and it's just, but it's sort of overlooking the valley. You can see. Uh, it's a point of, uh, for us, it was a place of exploration. Like I remember my dad sleeping there with his hat down over his eyes and uh, just this sort of, in fact, I can remember the way his hat smelled because I think he would put it over our eyes too sometimes when we lie down, look up at the clouds. And actually, now that I'm remembering, that was the place where dad told mom to imagine he when she was in labor he says that he told her to imagine looking up at the sky from round mountain and seeing the clouds huh. up there it's a it's a very huh. peaceful place um there's something extremely removed from the world about the about that place and uh, also very in the heart of it and i love uh yeah, so that was why we named our our musical exploration Round Mountain. Did your parents, hmm. in addition to giving you the love of the landscape and the mm. place, did they introduce you to music as well, you and your brother? Oh, yeah, they definitely did. Um, they were amazing because they, they didn't try to curate our experience uh, of music, but they, they really, they played what they loved, and they sang, they used to singing Ian and Sylvia tunes and lead belly stuff. And then they were folkies in the sixties, um, sort of rebel folkies. They didn't really conform to any of the, the, uh, the image that any of the various images that people have of what your parents did in the sixties. You know, they weren't exactly hippies. They weren't exactly um, East coast folkies. They were, they were just who they were, but um, their genuine love of music was, what they gave us and also their encouragement. So we were always encouraged. We had a band called Lizard House in the early nineties that used to do pop tunes and mom and dad were 100% there. Like they loved that band. They went to all our gigs, <laughs> you know, it was, it's always been understood and, and thank it's been appreciated that they've been, um, the utmost of kind, supportive, and just enthused parents. Listeners who know Round Mountain uh, will know that uh, you and your brother are both multi-instrumentalists, and many of these instruments are non-traditional, uh, or they're instruments that are borrowed from from other cultures. And I'm mm -hmm. curious, is that uh, is the love of world music something you also got from your parents, or was that a discovery that you and your brother came to by, by other means? Yeah, you know, it was uh, that wasn't so much mom and dad. Um, although they were, they were all behind it. They were They they thought it was cool. Um, in '96, our band had broken up. Um, Char and I actually, and uh, we went down to hear Andy Irvine, the Irish singer, at the Chemo in Albuquerque, maybe '95, and it. <laughs> It was this moment where he's, you know, we had just broken up with our pop band and we were sort of slightly adrift and, and the, he was so awesome. And we had been listening to him singing on this tape called Planksty that we had and um, loved it. And then this realization that you could feel the, the energy welling up inside of us. And we said, oh, this is amazing. We, we hung out with him afterwards because there's nobody at the gig. And he said, <laughs> we said, uh, God, that's just the best music. And, you know, we were really kind of, we're, it's so cool to learn about something. We just got out of this, this pop thing and, and we were wondering what we we're going to do now. And he said, I am the Oracle. 
<laughs> That's a good sign. And he is actually, he ended up singing on the goat. He sings that one, one more dream, which was a, a, a huge honor. He's one of our teachers uh, of the spiritual sort, just the, the kind of who the people who teach your spirit through their music. Um, that's what Andy was to us besides being an actual friend and somebody like we called him so many times when we were in Ireland and he actually answered, which was really nice. Um, anyway. Yeah. So at, at that next summer, Char went to the Balkans. Um, my girlfriend at the time and I went to Ireland and we met up, we met up with Char in Milltown Malbay, which is the big Irish music trad week there and he had been in turkey so when we when we uh when we saw him off at the airport earlier he had had a guitar like a backpacker guitar and when we met up with him in ireland he now was carrying a saz Mm -hmm. and uh you could see that music was working its change on him um so yeah and a couple years later i went to Mali, west africa my girlfriend and i um she studied dance and I studied djembe and we were there. And so between the Irish music, the Balkan music, the, um, the West African music and the, the sort of, in some ways, the existing melting pot of Appalachian music, uh, it just all, it called us, uh, Char and me and we, our music came out of that. Um, it, it was never, something that was premeditated so much as it was something that, I mean, we never wanted to say, gosh, Hey, well, let's, uh, let's make a show where we have all these crazy instruments and we didn't want it to be a gag. We just, that was what we loved to do. And that was the only way we could figure out to make it happen. And it, and it does happen. That's one of the remarkable things for me about round mountain is it never sounds, uh, staged or contrived. The, um, the blend of, uh, you know, kind of traditional Appalachian sound and some of these Eastern Mediterranean sounds is seamless. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really feels as though that there's enough of a, a depth of understanding about each of these subgenres that there's a comfort and it's not uh, putting on a device that you're not so sure of. Let's see how this sounds right here. I could think I've definitely been in bands where it's like, oh, let's try the Eastern thing here. And there's really no deeper understanding of the device. And so it's applied in a very crude fashion, but when round mountain, um, uh, blends these different, uh, styles, they sound, they sound very authentic and they sound very, uh, very deliberate in the transitions I find to be quite striking because, uh, there's a, a comfort, uh, both in a traditional Appalachian folk style and in something that sounds like it's out of Greece or, you know, mm-hmm. uh, out of out of Turkey. Come to the garden from the goat is a perfect example of of at least a few of those. Yeah, Starts with that beautiful chorus intro and has the kind of Appalachian chorus and uh, and the interlude there. So uh, maybe we'll we'll play that. Like a little 
clouds may be looming, but the time to pick the flower is the hour that it's blooming. Come to the garden, clouds may be looming, but the time to pick the flower is the hour that it's blooming. so fine that it might be yours that it might be mine if you're already gone come down anyway come down to the garden come and bloom for a day come to the garden clouds may be looming but the time to pick the flower is the hour when it's blooming i think for us the thought was that we have a we have what are you going to do with all this stuff? Like you love it. It wants to be expressed. And the hope was always that we would find a way to say what we as individuals had to say respectfully um, with the, the, the sort of tools and the language that had been furnished by tradition. But we never, we never wanted to come off as though we thought we were masters at the traditions, nor did we, you know, it was, it was always really about trying to tell our own stories in a, a respectful uh, and loving way and to be part of this big world in the most expansive way we could find. I think that absolutely comes off and it doesn't come off at all that you're trying to, you know, put on a masterclass. It's just this incredibly authentic expression. Yeah, there's a sense that it's been internalized to the extent that there's just a there's a comfort there that honors the uh, the sound. Thank you. And so you guys did that had a had I think four albums. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Four? Yep. We had four albums. We 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 um we wrote more material too. Um Yeah, I mean, Brian, you you were in, you were around toward the end of that whole time really, but the the uh, your enthusiasm was was very helpful for us, and nonetheless, we did kind of reach the end of our what felt like our creative. It it felt like the natural trajectory kind of achieved itself. Um, like in spite of you, you don't really know what music is for or what it or what it's going to do, but there's just a feeling when it comes along that it's got its own uh, motivation, it's got its own uh, mischief and work that it's going to do. And um, we kind of, it felt like we went through it all. Um, and then maybe some, we maybe, we maybe kept going a little past when we, when we had reached, when we had hit the point of maximum resonance and, you know, I don't, it's, it, it's, it's complicated when bands stop playing, but um, that that was essentially what happened. We just um, we it, it, did you step back from music a little bit? Yeah, um, I guess we we both somewhat did. Um, I think there's a heartbreaking quality to the effort that you put into something, and Round Mountain represented both for us and for our families a massive a massive expenditure of energy and i think we were tired among other things um you know i i i didn't play music very much right away although it was not long after round mountain broke up that that uh i started doing gigs with kip um, and Kip Winger, Kip, also uh, someone who you knew from when he used to live in Santa Fe, correct? Yeah, Kip Winger, who used to live in Santa Fe. Um, so it's been interesting the way the past circled back. Um, Lizard House, our first band, actually, Kip used to teach a music business class at the College of Santa Fe in 1994 when he moved here. Mm-hmm. And we were both in the program, Char and I, and we went to his class 
and he ended up producing Lizard House's first, or, or not our first, but one of our three song demos, which actually it was only two songs. It was, it was really good. Um, we went to, we went to Nam with him and he, he was a supporter. He, he dug the music and he was into it. And even though that band didn't end up working out, um, he called me to play on his fur on his, uh, solo stuff that he recorded out there in New Mexico. And so, yeah, that he was a presence uh, early on, and then I really did. We didn't see much of Kip from about 2020 to maybe to 2018, and then he called and said, "Hey, would you ever want to play some gigs in Japan?" And um, I said, "Yes, please." <laughs> uh, it was coming at the certain time where I was feeling like the walls were closing in in my head, and just needed some some fresh air, and so. You know, so anyway, after um, after Round Mountain started to to stop after it stopped happening, um, I started doing more gigs with Kip and traveling around, and uh, it was really great to to be there with him um, and to sort of just get a a glimpse of his his version of music, which um, I felt like, oh, I'm learning something from him. And that process really continued with, um, we did a, we did other tours. And in fact, we were in Australia when COVID started. And when I came back from Australia, I was quarantined in this little casita. And I had my recording gear and I just put down the tracks that I have um, and some others. And ended up just sending him to Kip, like, "Hey, just wanted you to wanted to hear what you think of this," and he he loved it and and wanted to produce produce it. So that was how uh, that was how Robbie Rothschild be- became something of its own, which doesn't really tell the story of the songs and of the the process that brought them to be and how I ended up coming back to music. Um, but that was the first writing you'd done in, in a while of your own stuff, whether it was yours or Round Mountains or whatever you hadn't written for a while. Well, yeah, it was an upsurge in writing. Um, you know, I, I ne- I've never been a very a super prolific writer. Um, and so the, uh, since my wife and I were divorced or since we separated, that's been when the songs really started coming back and when I really needed them. So um, I guess that was really the, the thing that made them come out and working with Kip was just a, it was great in terms of catching them and helping to bring them forward. Um, but the, the process of just of the great change in the, as I was saying earlier, the, Mary Oliver, the uh, loss is the great lesson that that's been what brought the music for sure. And you can tell, I mean, it's definitely, it's different emotionally. Well, I should let you ask me the questions. Um, well, yeah, we, we were, we were talking about it earlier. There's, there's a, a whimsy and a, uh, a lightheartedness and a, a musical fun to, to a lot of round mountain stuff uh-huh. that, um, you know, and, and there's a, and there's a beauty and a depth as well. And certainly this new Robbie Rothschild project has beauty and depth, but it has more weight. It has more, um, uh, almost wrenching quality. to it. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Gravitas. I I gotta say, Mm -hmm. I, I, yeah, I know, I know it. Um, and I almost, I was actually, I was actually taken aback if I can, if I can say it in that way, when I, when I listened to this the first time, uh, with the, uh, um, a lot of round mountain behind me. I had certain expectations yeah. of what I might hear. Right. Uh, and I was, I was kind of, uh, floored by how, uh, um, uh, devastating it was at, at some, at certain points, uh, in, in a very powerful and transcendent way. <laughs> well, thank yeah, you. I had that experience as well. Kip, Kip called me and, you know, I got this thing from Robbie and I was really excited and he sent it over and, 
And I listened to it several times in a row. And I, I think I called you, Robbie. I was like, it's you did. Just so sad. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, uh, I've always had a penchant for sad songs. And it's actually interesting in, in my family. My son, my, both of my sons are dead set against sad songs. They really don't like the sad songs. And my daughter really likes them. Um, hmm. and you know, it's sort of, it's a point of contention I I always felt guilty, even in the round mountain days that we were playing too many of my like kind of more introverted numbers. Cause those were always uh, in general, my stuff would have been the, I guess the more moody of the round mountain tunes. Hmm. Um, so in some ways it's just the perfect excuse to be, and, and, you know, it's the perfect excuse to make more music and to just be as sad as you want. I mean, this, this sort of thing that can happen to people um, that does happen to people and that I chose was something that was um, that had a profound effect in terms of bringing me, bringing the music back and of also um you know, bringing me way deeper into that melancholy than I had ever gone before. The sun is going down so hard above see I'm leaning into it the void between you and me and though I am noticing probably wondering like is this guy just is is he still that sad and i'm not i'm not that sad i'm kind of sad but i'm not as sad as i was um and and that's good to hear but but you're able to capture it and put it in a bottle that other people can enjoy Uh, yeah right that's 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 what i wanted to try to try to go through that terrain um and maybe just you know the sketchings of a map or uh, uh, bring something back to share with the community. Um, I know that people go through shit like this all the time and worse. So I don't have any, um, you know, I, I don't want a projector to communicate that I feel hard done by in this situation. I, I feel thankful that I have um, the co-parent and a friend that I do and my ex. Um, and, you know, it would be, it it would be possible to listen to this and not to listen to my stuff and wonder if that was the case just because it's so sad, but I do feel like it's, but it's one of the things I love about um, this collection of songs is that it's definitely a, uh, 
a cycle of songs that are about loss and about heartbreak, but it's also something very conciliatory and that honors the relationship as well in a way that's um, that's a celebration of it, even though you're you're feeling the tragedy of it at the same time. And that really comes across. Oh, good. I'm curious, um, over what time period were they written? And was this all the same emotional space? Let's see. That's a good question. Um, everything came from uh, within about the same year, except for, um, uh, except for question mark, which was quite old, but the, 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 the feeling of it was so at home that I, I just felt like it belonged there. Like I was almost writing about it, writing forward into, you know, it was, that one's probably 15 years old at this point. No kidding. It sounds like yeah. it completely belongs with his brothers and sisters on this EP. I'm glad. Yeah. It, it was really hard to do before. It was almost like, what is this about? So, but, but suddenly it found a, an emotional home. intermission for a word from our sponsor, which is us. Craft Brew Music is a curated streaming service. It's the app that streams better music for serious listeners. Sometimes we hear that people want to hear more of the songs we play on the podcast. If you like what you've been hearing, you need to download the app and get a free trial. We'll help you discover music off the beaten path so that you become the person your friends turn to for recommendations, and we split our income with the artists. It's $5 a month or $50 a year, less than a latte. We're the Small Batch Streaming App, available at the App Store and at Google Play. Or to hear samples and find out more about us, visit craftbrewedmusic.com. Yeah, um, I guess the, the um, yeah, the sequence, it, I want to, I know that the first one I wrote was on Timey, and that was before the the separation even. It was just sort of in the works. I mean, it was unconsciously in the works and it's almost like what look out what you ask for because here i am saying untie me and then you know boom like you just get untied um and um and then you got to deal with it so um beat of glass i wrote in quarantine um when i had the recording gear set up and i was really missing my kids. I'd been in Australia for a couple of weeks and then I couldn't see them when I came back because of quarantine. And uh, that was the sort of super raw, but sweet space that that came from. So that was, that one was written in quarantine, but the remainder was mainly you wandering around with an instrument in the wilderness. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Let's see. I'm, I'm thinking back. I mean, I guess I was at Limekiln Beach in California, uh, so it was definitely before quarantine when Untimey started. It, you know, with me, the song will sort of amass itself over 
long stretches. So that initial, like, oh, I, was, I remember driving my, my kids crazy playing that guitar riff over and over again. Oh, dad's still playing that thing. Because um, <laughs> I was trying to teach myself how to play guitar. Um, and that I hadn't played in Round Mountain. And it was, although it was my first instrument, you know, I had to kind of relearn a little bit of, of what it is and um, just find my way back into it. So yeah, there are long kind of pre-shadows of the, the song finally emerging, but there's usually one day where you say, oh, great, it's finally come to fruition, or in some cases, it'll all just land in your lap. And, and does the are... lyric writing take place the same way, uh, wandering around through tape recorder in the wilderness, or is that a different process for you? You know, it often does. Um, I think Save Me a Place was probably written in about two hours, the whole thing. Save me a place on your altar Born and I'm lost on your water I might get there while it's light Or I might drift under the night Save me a place on your altar I've reached and I've stumbled Toward you, I've waited and I've hungered for you, but I lost myself at sea, thought it fell to you, not me, to bring me to believe I was worthy. For God's sake, sometimes you just have to to to, to have the blues, and I uh, and thank God there are blues to have. Um, but yeah, I, I'm feeling like the music is helping me. the uh, The experience of of sharing it with people is helping me, and I hope that it's helping people too, as well as making them sad. In addition to the uh, the the content and the lyrics themselves, the uh... The delivery is a departure from what uh, we were used to on Round Mountain as well, uh, where your your voice has always had um, a kind of at, at its core a, a delicate and lilting quality to it. Uh, and there are points on on this record where it's it's very gritty, it's pained, and there's just a a, a supplication that you wrench out of it that uh -huh. uh, really really hits you in the gut. Uh, a moment that sticks with me that the first from the first time I heard it in mm. open wide. Mm. And I, I think of it more as a bridge, but I guess it's the second verse um, where it's the, the never thought the glory could ever look this yeah. broken. Right. But there you are shining in the midst of, um, in the midst of it. Uh, and then the, like an angel line, you just hang on to that, uh, right. that, that angel word. And it is absolutely devastating. I give over This broken dam of bone Held in center By a flood against the stone I surrender
the midst of it Yeah, that's that's a that's for sure a, a pith of something there, and I wonder what my neighbors thought after like the thirty because you're thinking you're hearing Mr. Winger there, and um, he's such a wonderful singer, and he's really tried to work with me. And uh, I remember he said, "You got to do thirty different playlists to that, and uh, like until you get it right." And so I did, and <laughs> it was loud and. You know, it was a pretty small little house, and I'm imagining people around being like, "Oh God, another playlist." He's, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and and actually, you know, Kip really, what he his his take on the mixes was pretty different than what I would do. I would never have put the vocals up as hot as they are, but I'm I'm really satisfied that he did that because I just you know I don't want to hide what what i am saying and and what these songs are and it feels really good to to have the to to just be that bold with it like yeah if you look at the lyrics i think i think it had to be intimate and that was right that was a a very strong choice good yeah i i'm i liked listening it too um and i'm glad that he made me do 30 different playlists of vocals because it's hard to listen to yourself sing really is. And this is the thing I've, I've done that I feel the happiest about. And how, how prescriptive was, uh, was Kip Winger during all this? Did he kind of give you a free reign to uh, give him the raw material or was he more involved with the, uh, the part building? No, he was not involved. Most of his work was after, after the rough tracks were in place and, um, after most of the tracks were in place, he was more um, just a sort of encouraging in terms of songwriting and lyrics and vocals. He kind of respected very much that I had something I was really honed in on and he just wanted to help me bring it forward um, and, and to bring his own sensibility too. But he he's really good at not some people in his position, anything they do is going to sound just like them, but Kip's not like that. He actually, um, he's got a lot of depth and a lot of breadth and he can, you know, he could hang in this situation as well as I remember he sent me, (laughs) you know, we were having a little bit of back and forth about the amount of reverb to use on, on the mixes. And (laughs) he sent me this, mix in the middle of the night it was like, save me a place and he had this cathedral verb on it you know <laughs> and it was like wow i was trying to listen to it in a way that i would like and i tried for a while and i think i ended up writing him an email like wow that's a really unusual effect um i, I it, it there's something to it but you know, <laughs> and he was like, "Dude, that was a total joke." Yeah, <laughs> I'm just fucking with you, man. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Well, yeah, I've worked on this. Is the third project I've worked on with him, and uh, they've all been very, very different from each other, and all very different from Winger. So. Right. Yeah. No, he's he's got a gift in that way. That's um, it's it's impressive to me that he's he's completely dedicated to music and to um, its pursuit and his life is all about that but he he's able to pull off so many different kinds of, of things yeah I really respect that that guy I'm really happy he's on 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 board here well the the result is is uh you know, something certainly for you to be proud of and congratulations on it with the, by the time this uh, is people are hearing this, by the time this episode is published, the album will have just come out. Um, and Woo! so, yeah. Get out there and listen. On that. That's yeah. right. But seriously, if people, you know, people hear things and, and think, Oh, that's, that's nice. What a cool story. You know, I really hope people will go uh, buy this music, download it at the very least stream it. Um, 
Me too. And uh, because they're, you know, they'll be better for it as well as, uh, you know, supporting the yeah. maker of the art. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's everywhere that, that music is, it'll be everywhere that music is consumed. So uh, uh-huh. go, uh, go get it. Right. But make sure you have a friend to talk to uh, <laughs> after, after, after listening to this EP just to check in on you make sure you're okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's powerful stuff. Okay. I'm glad I had Brian for this. thank you for listening craft brewed music both the podcast and the streaming service has the mission of promoting this music and these artists we can't do that without ears on the music so if you like what you've heard here we're going to ask two small favors first tell someone about the podcast secondly go to the app store or google play download the craft brewed music app and try a free two-week trial of the streaming service For more information, visit us at craftbrewedmusic.com. Thanks again, and see you next time.